It is the Play On Podcast at Podcast Play On at Beer at Bants. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you comment, share, tell your friend your fortnightly football podcast. I'm back on a bit of a hiatus. Uh, I go by the name of Ben English. And as always, there's my co-host, Cal, alongside me. How you doing, sir? Very good, sir. Hope you're doing well yourself. Very well, very well. Good to be back, man. And a big shout out to Ashley, who isn't on today's show, but honourable mention for holding it down and um, just providing the uh, bit of inspiration that we all like. Shout out to Ryan as well. Um, I actually spoke to Ryan today and uh, and, uh, he's confirmed he will be with us soon enough. So for any of our listeners who are missing Ryan's presence, his, (laughs) his, his quirky point of view and his out of the box kind of comments he really does think outside of the box so i think it's great to have him on and you know i'm sure our listeners will be enjoying his insightful comments pretty soon maybe on the next episode who knows definitely definitely we miss him we miss his bluntness and he's uh always keeping it honest in today's pod as always we're going to review uh premier league results from the weekend friday and saturday results obviously this is recording on the sunday before the big fixtures uh touching on some news in europe and across the world so kickstarting friday evening game um cow i don't know about you but i really like a friday evening game you know if people have been working a long week is something to look forward to sets up the weekend just right especially if your team's playing especially if your team is playing well and they win and a massive three points for Arsenal at the Emirates uh, against Aston Villa uh, I know you saw the game what was your thoughts on the uh, Arteta sort of having to turn it around after the Palace and Brighton uh, disappointment huge three points Arsenal really needed that um, on the last episode we talked about Arteta being awarded the manager of the month and how he kind of you know he needs to kind of just push on and, and, and keep this form going and he's done that um and wow what form it was me personally in terms of the friday night fixture i haven't been a huge fan it kind of it messes up my f- fpl preparations sometimes you know like i forget that there's a game on a friday and it just comes out of nowhere um but with this one, this was this was a big game. I think before this fixture, typically the Friday night games have been smaller teams playing. Um, so to see Arsenal playing on a Friday night, I thought that was pretty cool. I, I quite I quite liked it. I, I can imagine people, you know, going out for a pint on a Friday night, going to watch the football in a bar or something like that, if they're not going to the stadium, you know, which is yeah, it's kind of cool. So the actual game, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Dean Smith. But I think Arteta, I think Arteta reacted because we know that Villa like to play this kind of uh, attacking football, um, and we know that they like they have quality players in the midfield, and they have Brendia, McGinn, and, and Douglas Louise in there, right? And with this three kind of five-two system that they came at us with. We could have struggled. We really could have struggled. Um, but it seems like Arteta had kind of anticipated that and he'd switched to a 4-4-2 because it kind of seemed like we were going to line up in our in our usual 4-2-3-1. Um, but we did go 4-4-2. And you know, if you was watching the game, you would have seen it. And 
the interesting thing is the reaction to the form of his players. You know, Alex Lacazette played absolutely amazing in the last game for Arsenal. And he was rewarded with a start in this game, which I think, you know, it's is only right, isn't it? And he definitely repaid that confidence with a great performance. He puts in such a shift. It's kind of like, I, f- I feel like he should be playing for Arsenal. He should be playing week in, week out. And if if it's a thing where we have to play a 4-4-2, then maybe that's just what we have to do. And I think with Partey and Lokonga, that worked quite well. I'm not so sure how things would work if Xhaka was in the team because he has less dynamism and Lokonga has less ability to kind of get up and down the pitch and, you know, the athleticism to kind of like, you know, if there's a tight situation where players are running at you, closing you down, like Xhaka doesn't really have the agility to just kind of do a little skill and, and you know, weave in and out. Um, when Lokonga actually does have that, um, so we'll see what happens when Jacker comes back. Um, but I was quite happy with everything from Arteta, from the application of the players. The players were bombing, like flying in. Like Aubameyang has has been like a new man. He's the way he's been charging, leading the line, charging forward. It's almost like a military general leading his troops into war. That's kind of what I'm getting from Aubameyang now. And you know, when your captain's putting in a shift like that. It just kind of sets the tone, doesn't it? It kind of lets everybody know, listen, guys, this is what it is. This is what we're doing. So, wow. I mean, I thought that there was a chance in the first half that Aubameyang could have scored, you know, when the the ball came over from Saka and he went for that acrobatic overhead kick and it just kind of came off of his shin. And I think, you know... And an informal Bamiyang, maybe he scores that. Maybe he connects mm. that with the foot instead of the shin and that goes in. That would have been a great goal. But all round good performance. Nice to see Emil Smith roll getting a goal, even though maybe it wasn't the prettiest. But yeah, good for him, for his confidence to get goals. Um, Saka looks like his form is picking up a little bit. He's still looking a little bit, you know, lacking in confidence. Like, you know, when we've seen him at his best, he's running at players fearlessly beating the man, whipping in the ball or taking a shot. And now he seems to have a bit of hesitation in his game. Like he's a bit unsure of himself, doesn't know if he tries to take on a player. Will I make the, the dribble or will the player win the ball? I don't want to lose the ball, so I'm just going to pass it backwards or something. You know, he's kind of got into that kind of a, of a mode. But I think in this game against Villa, he did seem to be coming out of that little slump that he dipped into. Um, defensively... I was a little concerned with Ben White, man. I was a little concerned. There's there's times when I do think defensively, man, he's just not a defender, defender. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's not like... When you look at Gabriel, you just think, yeah, like, rock solid, absolute unit, just taking guys out, taking the ball, taking the man, just solid. And I don't often see that from Ben White. And there was a couple of times in this game that, that got me worried. So I'm hoping he's a player that can progress, that can get his head down and, and improve his game and, and improve defensively. But going forward, man, he was brilliant. There's a couple of times when he's running the ball out of the back and, and, and playing up. There was one where he pinged the ball over to Smith Rowe on the left. It was just like, yo, this is lovely. Tavash, I got a shout out to Tavash. He had a great game. This guy was running forward like there's no tomorrow, providing width on the left. And just being a, a real pain. And honestly, the form that Tavash is in at the moment, I think 
we're probably better off playing him than Kieran Tini, and that's really saying something. Mm-hmm. Um, all interesting points. It's six wins, oh sorry, six games undefeated now for Arteta. Uh, I'm still not as convinced, and I know quite a few people are still not convinced. I need a few more performances like Spurs for 45 minutes, like the first 15 minutes at Pal- against Palace, like 75 minutes against Villa, um, for them to really try to convince I think the majority of Arsenal fans this season, um, it's going to be a tough away game to Leicester next. And then Watford uh, at the beginning of November with, um, you know, Ranieri back with a, with a big result, which we'll talk about in a minute. But all, all positives, let's build on the positives. Uh, agree with everything you say. I thought Ben White did well defensively, to be honest. A few, uh, one header stopping Mings from getting at the end of it, threw his body on the line for another. His distribution is why Arsenal bought him, um, not for his defensive sort of skills as such, but I thought everyone from the goalie up to Aubameyang leading the line, they all pressed. Um, Ramsdale, I said he's going to be England number one by next year. He's, um, his distribution, he's, he's coming, you know, he's moved down to, to, to the capital. He's, he's at a bigger club. Um, and he's just uh, he's just doing really well. Tavares came in, beating a player. Lacazette playing for a new contract. We'll see how he fares in the next few games. Let's see if he can keep that up. Um, and does Arteta keep with the same team formation, or does he look to try and bring in Pepe, who can be a bit hit and miss at the best of times? But a great way to start a weekend. Six games undefeated now after uh, such a horrendous start for Arsenal and Arteta and Arsenal fans must be really happy as they move into midweek I believe they've got Leeds in a, in the Carabao Cup mm, The bad thing about a Friday night game though could be it ruins your whole weekend if the team <laughs> yeah. loses that, that's the potential it has there um, but back on this, this fixture what, what do you make of Aston Villa so after selling Jack Grealish to Manchester City in the summer they end up finding themselves getting slapped by Arsenal and 13th place in the table after nine games played. Do you think Aston Villa have, you know, life after Jack Grealish? Have Aston Villa maybe used their funds wisely and are they looking okay? I think they have. I think they have used their one their funds wisely. I think Bailey came on off the bench and looked really productive, and I think he just needs a few more minutes under his belt and he's gonna. You know, hit the Premier League by by storm. Uh, you know, he was unlucky with a free kick. He was a constant menace on the right hand side. I think the biggest issue Villa fans are facing at the minute, and Aston Villa is Watkins and Ings up front. You know, are they playing with both of them? Are they just do they need to decide on one man up front? Uh, Bendia came. Bendia was playing. He didn't look as lively. I was fretting about him, thinking, what is he going to do to Arsenal in the game? Um, and you know, they've got. Like you said, McGinn in midfield, Cash is looking solid and Mings is solid. So I think it's just a matter of time before the squad starts to gel. They threw away the Wolves game. They didn't show up in this Arsenal game. They've um, they've been they have been a bit hit and miss. I had them as a sort of outside tip to finish quite high in the league, and I was looking a bit silly now. So uh, I think it's just a matter of time before they all gel. I mean, replacing their their club captain, their you know their main man Jack Grealish is is going to be really difficult, but they've got a good youth set up. Um, young players scored on on Friday. Was it Ramsey? It's got a great finish. That and, really was, uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, no, I think I think give them time. Villa, give, give Villa time and uh, consolidate. You know they're 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 in the Premier League now. They want to stay 
and uh, give it a fighting chance to try and get mid-table above mid-table. So, yeah, I think they'll be all right, potentially. Mm. Mm. Um, a team who I feel is going straight back down and will arguably be the worst team in Premier League history. Uh, I was struggling to see where they're going to get points. Is Norwich City an emphatic 7-0 loss at Chelsea at the early kickoff talking about a Friday night ruining your weekend if your team doesn't show up but what about a Saturday <clears throat> midday kickoff if your team doesn't perform and Chelsea absolutely brushed Norwich City 7 nils goals from Mount a hat trick a bit of a bit of a scrappy hat trick but he got there goals from Callum Hudson-Odoi it's been really good seeing him back uh, James Reese James with arguably the best goal of the game Chilwell who just can't stop scoring and Aaron's an unfortunate uh, own goal all topped off with a red card by Ben Gibson and you know Chelsea just opened up the floodgates they weren't in previous games known for scoring high you know high scoring games uh, I think one of the most was 3-0 at Arsenal which sort of we'll try to <laughs> move over from that but they absolutely destroyed Norwich just by being you know, just solid and methodical and, and nothing out of the ordinary. So um, unlucky for Norwich fans and those who went with uh, Havertz. I captain Havertz stupidly instead of going with Mason Mount uh, after Mason Mount was gave an interview saying he needs to score more goals and he pops up with three goals and assists. So more for me. But Norwich not looking good for them, Cal. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, uh, we were talking offline just before we recorded uh, and I think you were saying they were the worst performing Premier League team of all time something like that they're on, um, they're on, they're on course to be I think the lowest was Derby County with 11 points in I think it's 2006-2007 I need to double check that but can you see them getting more than 11 points <laughs> I mean at the moment it doesn't look 2007-2008 sorry 2007-2008 at the moment, like if I look at the Premier League table, I'm struggling to think of who Norwich City are actually going to beat. I'm struggling to think of who, you know, obviously they're not beating anyone in the top four. Um, Spurs have picked up their form again. They're in fifth. And then you're looking at Man United, West Ham, Everton. Teams are all improving and playing well. Mm-hmm. Arsenal improving and playing well. Wolves, new manager, improving and playing well. Brentford. I don't think they're going to be any of the teams that got promoted, let alone experienced teams with quality players like Leicester in 12th or Crystal Palace in 15th. I think they're in big trouble. <laughs> the next three games, the next three games are Leeds at home, Brentford away, Southampton at home. I can't really see them getting anything. Maybe, maybe Southampton. Um, but it's not looking good for them. But Chelsea, on the other hand, an embarrassment of riches, um, Callum Hudson-Odoi which I mentioned earlier um, Ross Barkley managed to come on this is all without Lukaku this is all without Werner playing and um, just looking good Loftus-Cheek with an assist towards the end really unselfish there to scrape for Mount for his hat-trick and Chelsea just got it popping all over the pitch looking really good pushing on pushing on yeah I mean there's some really quality finishing from Chua and Mount um, I did like Callum Hudson a goal Callum Hudson or Doy's goal as well, where he just kind of opened up the body and finessed it around the goalkeeper. That was a lovely goal. I do like those type of goals. And um, I think this game is actually quite a success for Chelsea's transfer policy of, you know, bringing in 
good young English players, you know, like Chilwell, um, bringing in players through their academy like Chalobar, uh, Mount, James, Hudson-Odoi. It, it's, it's, it's a win. It really is. Um, it's just great to see players like that coming through an academy, getting a chance at a big team, because we have to remember that that never used to be the case with Chelsea. The youngsters always used to go out and loan and then get sold off to other teams. But since Frank Lampard's come in, you know, uh, I think Mourinho said, you know, now that the level of quality coming through the academy has actually risen. Um, although I, I do think maybe that's a bit of an excuse because he did have players like uh, Mo Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, that he didn't really want to give them a chance. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I, I want to give Chelsea the flowers that they're due for the good work that they're doing in youth development and bringing through footballers. And um, yeah, I'd, I'm hoping that some of these players are going to end up in the England team and performing really well in the World Cup. Yeah, I can easily see it happening. Um, and I'm happy for Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek. You know, sort of Loftus-Cheek was England's forgotten man. He was he went to Russia a few years ago and he sort of injuries and then went down the pecking order. So good to see him back. Um, another manager who has uh, seems to be turning things around is Patrick Vieira at Crystal Palace. He got, um, you know, they were un- unfortunate to come away with a draw at Arsenal. I thought they fully deserved the win after that performance. And then uh, a last-minute equaliser from Lacazette, causing an, a two-all draw. Another draw for Palace, this time at the hands of Newcastle United, still riding the wave of their takeover bid. Um you know, their new Saudi uh, owners, you know, whether you agree or disagree uh, ethically or, you know, what's going on there. But um, Crystal Palace, Benteke scoring again. Now, his goal by Mitchell, who I was really impressed with, I thought Mitchell dealt with Pepe uh, last week really well, but his ball to Benteke, just a cross, and Benteke's high. It's hard to see why he wasn't scoring so many goals, pre, you know, in previous seasons. The guy's just an absolute monster put the ball in the air, he'll dominate, another goal for him, but then the overhead volley from Wilson, sort of a volley hook rather than a theatrical overhead volley, you know, one for the uh, one for the ages, but Wilson just cracking on getting goals for Newcastle and they need it, they're in big trouble, you know, they're in relegation, they're uh, in a relegation fight, Burnley, Leeds, Southampton, Palace, all around that area, but uh, a one-all Draw. Newcastle fans have to be happy with that. Palace, another draw. Not so happy, I can see. I think from Vieira's perspective, he'll feel like his team should have got the win against Arsenal because it was a last-minute equaliser that we scored to kind of snatch the three points away from them. So to have two draws back-to-back when his team is actually playing really well, yeah, he'll be absolutely gutted. Um, but the thing about Newcastle is with the takeover, you know, the new ownership, um, Steve Bruce getting uh, replaced now. Well, not really replaced, but Steve Bruce being uh, relieved of his duty, shall we say. He's probably on a gardening leave, tending the flowers or whatever he's doing, mowing the grass. And, um, you know, you've got an interim coach who's coming now. This guy, Jones, I saw his, uh, his post-match uh, press conference. Um, and uh, he didn't seem like to me like a guy that's going to be a long term replacement. Um, so he's just, you know, caretaker manager looking after things in the interim until the new guy comes in. So this time to play Newcastle right now, 
you know, all of these players are kind of playing for their jobs, man. They've just seen the manager go out of the door. They, they all know that change is coming and they all want to say and they want to show that, listen, I'm not one of the guys that you need to replace. I'm a guy that should be in the team. So I think the fact that and with Callum Wilson being back and in, in good goal scoring form, and that goal he scored was was awesome, wasn't it? Mm, right? Great mm. takers. So for Palace and for Vieira to come across Newcastle right now, like if you would have played Newcastle a couple of weeks ago, you probably would have got three points. But right now, I think you, yeah, you take a draw. Mm. But they've got um, Newcastle. have got Chelsea next, which should be interesting, and Palace. Go marching on with a game to. I can't see it on my phone. Someone. <laughs> I don't know who they've got there. Oh, uh, Man City. Wow. So Man City, uh, Palace next. Palace being away from home and then Newcastle being at home to Chelsea. Newcastle, you know, with the fans, with the manager, the, the owners there pushing on. You know, they started off well against Spurs and then completely capitulated and just went back to old ways. I mean, there was sad news with the fan who had to be um, attended to just towards the end of the first half in that previous game. Uh, mm. But there should be um, a better mood around St. James's Park to play the champions of Europe. So watch this space. Um, What's your uh, opinion on the takeoff? We haven't heard anything from you on that yet, Ben. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's not, I'm not completely for it just for sort of ethical purposes, you know, what they've done uh, in their own country. Uh, But, you know, I need to need a bit longer to sort of review it. But I mean, I mean, I'm happy for Newcastle fans that they've got rid of Mike Ashley. Uh, I'm happy for Newcastle as a footballing city, but in terms of its owners and the same thing with Man City owners, the same thing with PSG, you know, the, the, the ethics behind it, the human rights, the, you know, what they've done to journalists and people that speak out and, and, and all the issues that, that come with it, um, I'm not for. Um but then, you know, you need to separate football and politics. It's not down to the FA. It's not down to the Premier League. It's down to, you know, the government uh, who are selling arms to these countries or helping them in certain areas when it comes to oil and, you know, land. Um, there was something in the news about police investigating Crystal Palace fans banner criticising Saudi Arabian deal. Um, you know, fans uh, fans voicing their concerns uh, listed on a picture of a clipboard under the headline Premier League owners test with terrorism's beheading civil rights abusers murderers censorships and persecution so you know take that take it what you will so in a nutshell happy for Newcastle uh, and the city because it's a great city it's a footballing city and they deserve you know <clears throat> success or you know the, the the highs that they once had under Kevin Keegan and Sprillia and all them man, but not too impressed with the whole the people that have taken it over, basically, if that if that makes sense. So for, for what they stand there. for. Mm. Mm, because of obviously if you if you value human rights and people not getting murdered <laughs> for speaking out and, you know, civil rights and whatnot, then how can you support such a regime? But, you know, it's happening. It's happening in other teams as well. So it's not the first, and it certainly won't be the last. Right. Moving on. Talking of new managers, talking of turning around. The biggest shock of the 
weekend uh everyone's aka buster here and we spoke about a hat trick mason mount with a bit of a scrappy hat trick in the first game and then josh king turning up to haunt his old team everton with watford absolutely smashing everton 5-2 um and this was a game of real two halves benitez was talking about post-match how you know they need to see out the game especially in a winning position and the last 20 minutes or so they just absolutely fell to pieces some of those goals were just a joke you know uh josh king scoring a great hat trick showing benitez what he's been missing and uh yeah i'm happy for ranieri i'm happy for watford uh those who had ishmael Saar didn't get on the score sheet at all didn't get absolutely any points <laughs> same <laughs> yeah mate what a week of fantasy but uh yeah watford turning it around and uh, yeah, looking good, looking good. I'm a bit worried for Arsenal facing them in the next few weeks. That was a frustrating game for me, uh, FPL-wise, because I, a player in both teams, I had Gray for Everton. Fair enough, he did get an assist, but, you know, two goals, all he got was an assist. And then I had Saar for Watford, and, you know, they scored five goals, and he gets nothing, no goals, no assists, nothing. And so far this season, he seems like their best player. It just, mm. It's just kind of, it's baffling, isn't it? But that's a- I think the, this game is it's a testament to what can happen when a new manager comes in and yeah. how things kind of reshuffle, things change around, new ideas, new approaches. And it just goes to show that Saar probably isn't the main man anymore. You know, mm. uh, there's a new way of playing where the ball goes through him less. Um, Dennis is involved and King is involved and Hernandez as well on the left. So, you know, we'll see what happens going forward. Maybe maybe Saar is just going to be less, you know, kind of like um, how at Liverpool, Mo Salah is the main man. So maybe it's going to be less of that at Watford now and more kind of team play the ball going through various different areas. Yeah, I think moving Saar out wide with Josh King through the middle, that worked well. They had three up front and um, Everton just, they're so hit and miss. They've been hit and miss over the years. You know, they brought in Richarlison to booze and he popped up with a, with a great goal. They've got everything on paper that shows they should be beating Watford and they just completely bottle it. They just they just lose themselves, lose their shape. And uh, it's what happen, can happen in the Premier League. You know, it can it can turn so quickly. So well done, Watford, uh, especially after being thumped uh, the previous week by Liverpool and uh, and doing really well. How you felt about Saar not getting on the score sheet is how I felt with Havertz against Chelsea. You know, 7-0 and Havertz didn't even get a sniff, man. So, Crazy. I know, more for me. Um, moving on. Leeds won, what, uh, Wolves won. Uh, Wolves, who were on the uh, receiving in this time of a last-minute goal, a penalty uh, taken by Rodrigo as Rafinha, another fantasy favourite, was taken off injured, um, popped up to, to grab a late equaliser. Last week, Wolves got a late, late winner with a horribly deflected free kick against their Midlands rivals. But, uh, you know, Leeds, Leeds in trouble, man. Bielsa... But also having it all to do with, with no plays, you know, there's uh he's missing his his three main players, um, Phillips, Bamford and Rafinha just said have gone off and obviously he was away of international duty, but Leeds looking dangerously close to the bottom. Are they gonna turn this around? You know, it's it's looking difficult for them. I'm gonna go ahead and say no. Um I think we've seen historically that you know, teams can have a great first season, but the second season and the third season aren't always so great. It's so difficult to 
to maintain that form. Sheffield United were victims of that. And, you know, Leeds seem to be the next team struggling with that now. Um, and Villa aren't having a great time either um, after being promoted in recent seasons. So, I mean, Rodrigo, we know he's not like a prolific goal scorer. He's a good player, but not prolific. Uh, James, uh, from what you've seen at Manchester United, I think a lot of football fans will say, you know, they don't rate James. They think he's really fast, but that's about it. He's like, um, he reminds me of uh, Theo Walcott, but about the end product. He's just... <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I actually really like Theo Walcott at Southampton now. He's got, he's got this new kind of like hairstyle and everything, like, you know, this new Theo Walcott style. It's quite yeah. a unique thing. If that's, if I, that's, I, see, I see what you mean. If, if that's the only thing you're big enough about Theo Walker, that shows you've washed, man. He, he he took one chance. We absolutely pulled it wide. I'm so like you know, oh, he was uh, he was meant to be the the chosen one at 16, 17, and Just, all right. He was unlucky know. that now, but he had one period where he was absolutely on fire, and then he got injured. And if, I do believe if he didn't get injured, we wouldn't won the league that year, and his goals would have fired us to the league title. Yeah. I think that was the year when Leicester won the league. Um, but anyway. Leeds are able to turn this around. You know, they've got Norwich next at the end of the month, uh, away to Norwich. Then they've got Leicester at home, which is tricky. And then they've also got Spurs away. So it's not looking good for Leeds by Chris. You know, they really need their players back and they, and they need Bamford and, and they need Calvin Phillips, more importantly. You know, his distribution at the uh, the pivot there, he's sort of, he's box to box. He's, he's tackling. He's a real big miss for not only Leeds, but England as well. So um, two of two or two of them, I think, absolute crucial players for Leeds. So they need them back. If they can get them back, um, then they'll be all right because with the creativity of Rafinha, with the goals of Bamford, and like you say, the all-round kind of midfield, just midfield general, just bossing the midfield kind of kind of vibes that you get from Calvin Phillips. Come mm-hmm. on, like they can't, they can't be doing poorly with the three of those players in the team and I think any team would miss their three best players wouldn't they definitely on a smaller team like Leeds that doesn't have the squad to be able to bring in players of the same calibre when three key stars are injured definitely moving on Southampton to Burnley to uh Livermento, who looked really tasty, popping up, and Cornet getting two goals for Burnley. Cornet, and uh, you know, with his start, taking his opportunity and uh, providing a different sort of option for uh, Burnley in terms of scoring goals. And this had, you know, a draw. I think a draw was a fair, fair thing, you know, uh, at the end of play. But both teams sort of flirting with the bottom half of the league. Burnley. Uh, always sort of near relegation zone. Southampton also, you know, nothing really to write out, write home about this. Um, but yes, it was happy for Maxwell Cornet to get his to get his goals for Sean Dyche. For sure. Um, just a, a last point on Leeds. I wanted to shout out to young Gelhart. I don't even know how you say his name properly. Joel Gelhart, maybe the young star that came off the bench for Leeds and looked absolutely lively helped them to get back into the game won the penalty that um Rodrigo ended up scoring um so yeah you never know there might be a bright spark for them there if if he can keep getting games and if he can keep improving uh maybe maybe that might turn Leeds's fortunes around uh this Cornet guy um I think it's a bit of banditry name because it sounds a bit corny but his game isn't. He does look like an impressive player, like, you know, one of those uh, Ivory Coast 
kind of dons with the pace and the, and the skills. And he, he, I've seen some little little tricks, little bits of tech from him here or there. Mm. He his volley looks a player. His his volley was uh, was tasty, wasn't he? Um, mm. And they got him for just under thirteen million from Leon. There you go, and, bit, uh, of a, bit of a bargain there. Um, yeah, and and he's, he's coming good. I think he's coming good for them. But we'll, we'll have to see because, as always, when players come from other leagues, they can take a while to settle down. And so we, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see if if this guy is going to be able to produce the good. Because it's not like he's doing it week in week out. He's a little bit inconsistent. Um, but yeah, two goals against uh, Southampton. You can't ask much more than that, can you? Mm. Um, interesting here saying um, Livermento and uh, Boja uh, played together for Chelsea uh, in the Chelsea Academy so both joined from Chelsea in the summer and uh, have linked up well Boja 20 Livermento 18 um, they've played together since the age of 9 uh, and they're obviously reap Southampton are reaping the benefits now um, did you see that Miss from no, that. Um, what? Uh, that, that, that's a nice little piece of uh, trivia you got there. That could come up oh, in a pub quiz. <laughs> Redmond's miss. I don't know if he was offside, but he missed the absolute sitter, um, which you'll probably be having nightmares about. But uh, no, a, a decent game, a decent game. It draws a fair result. And uh, Ralph Hussenhutel, Roadman Ralph, is now, now looking like a accountant. He's he's like wearing a blazer, shirt and tie. He's looking fairly suited and booted. So I do like Southampton, although. They don't really offer much, but uh, always good to see him, especially with some new players coming through ex-Chelsea Academy players. Um, right, talking of Academy player, talking of the young god, isn't, is he young god still Phil Foden or is he slightly He's still young. Now? He's still only about 2021, 20, isn't he? Man, I'm running out of words to describe this kid. He's like He was phenomenal for England when he had a slightly deeper role. Uh, he was... F- phenomenal for Man City in, the, in Europe and he's popped up again um, a complete different team that played midweek and that made light work uh, of um, the Belgian team in the Champions League the name forget escapes me um, Bruges Bruges forgive me yeah they absolutely brushed them aside I thought that was going to be a bit, a bit of a banana skin for them there but they brushed them aside and Pep Roulette strikes again no Kevin De Bruyne, no Mares, who I took Mares off. Listen to this. I took Mares off for Carl Havertz, thinking he's not going to play because he played a blinder in Europe. And then only for Carl Havertz to do nothing and then Mares to get like a 94th minute goal. <laughs> you couldn't write this, could you? You couldn't write this fantasy flipping script. But Man City going about it. Brighton, who were fourth and still are fourth at the moment, proving to be really difficult to beat home and away. Um and Pep's boys get it done. Goals from Gundogan, Foden gets two, Mares, uh, just complete class display there. Really impressed with City once again. Yes, City are you know they're the team to beat. Uh, you may have thought that Bruges were a banana skin, but uh, it turned out to not be a Bruges banana. <laughs> and Man City rolled them over. They're rolling everyone over right now. I, I don't know who has the audacity to audacity. think they could stop them. How dare you think you could be Manchester City with the form that they're in right now? I mean, last season we were talking about them going unbeaten for the whole season, weren't we? Yeah. 
Mm. Um, it's, we're talking about nine goals in two games now. Like that's, that's ridiculous. That's no that's they're doing the kind of thing that Bayern Munich do week in week out in the Bundesliga. Like this is this is Pep Guardiola era Man City and. The young god Phil Foden is now starting to take a starring role in this team. It's beautiful to see. It really is. Um, but I do have to say that he did score some Bart's goals, man. Some, nah, some, man. The first goal went out. The first goal was, was beautiful. The sort of the through balls and then, all right, he sort of not bundled it in. He bundled it into the top corner. That's how, that's how, that's how sick he is. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was on a hat trick, and if he had a scored a hat trick, that would have been the ugliest hat trick of all time. But you, you take those, innit? You take those, and you move on to the next game. I think he was lucky to get awarded uh, those goals, but you know, it is what it is. And no way, man. What was the second goal? Remind me of the he's, second he's one. Playing well. Whether the ball went in the back of the net or not, he's playing well. The man second got... one, it was like just a deflection, wasn't it? Oh yeah, he took it off Jesus, didn't he? Yeah. Now nah, listen, you gotta be there, man. You gotta be there. And he got an assist. Come on. And he's the young god as well. Come on, man. It's Phil. And you know what I like about Phil Foden? He's got a face on him that always looks like he's up for a scrap. He's got one of them scally faces that he's always looked like he's on it, like like you've just pissed him off. You know, you know, like Jordan Pickford's always got a face like he's angry when he concedes a goal. Phil he Foden's is the angry. same. Oh yeah, yeah, because he's angry. He's going to be losing his place to uh, Ramsdale. He's the incredible Hulk, mate. He's always angry. Um, um, Phil, Foden. Yeah, Phil, Phil, Phil Foden, I think this... Well, let's see what happens. If Pep keeps playing him in this false nine kind of role, let's just see how this works out. Um, I think he's incredibly versatile. Like the, the lad can play centre midfield. He can play left wing, yeah. right wing, you know, striker. So, you know, and in a variety of formations, you know, like there's some players that struggle to do that. Like they can play left midfield in a 4-4-2, but put him in like a in a 4-3-3 three, three, and they're, they're not so good playing left wing. Do you know what I mean? And so it like we had a similar kind of thing with Kolasinac where like he was he wasn't too bad if you're playing like a five at the back and you're playing a wing back. But if you're playing 4-4-2 and you're playing left back, he just wasn't so good. Yeah. So you, you can it, never you know, compare yeah. Foden to Kolasinac. Kolasinac shouldn't even be in anywhere near the Emirates. Well, the point, the point is... <laughs> I know what you mean. I, know what I you think mean. you just need a certain level of attitude and a certain level of intelligence to be able to apply yourself to different positions and fill Foden most definitely has that in his locker and it's just yeah I just want to see upwards and onwards from him I want to see him scoring more goals definitely being in that position he's been in now he's in the perfect place to do it definitely and interesting you saying about the number of goals Man City have scored recently with all this talk of Harry Kane over the summer and the beginning of the season um, they don't have a recognised centre forward they've got Jesus who's now sort of reinvented himself on the right they've got any number of players playing in you know up top the false nine they rotate round Bernardo Silva again consistent as ever such a um, I wouldn't say underrated but because he's got so many other stars around him and Grealish has now popped up that he just he sometimes goes unnoticed and he is he's just phenomenal absolutely phenomenal so uh, no Sterling no De Bruyne Mares came off late off the bench um, I had Cancelo I was expecting him to do something a bit disappointed with the penalty towards the end but Brighton you know Brighton good for maybe at least one goal and Man City keep marching on 
big games coming up soon with Man City uh, having to place Crystal Palace, which we mentioned, but then the Manchester derby, which will be uh, on the 6th of November. So that'll be interesting to see if Pep can put the final nail in Oli's coffin. Thoughts on Sterling possibly not being a Manchester City player? Um, I would like to see English players play abroad, as always. And I think if he's not getting game time and he feels that he can't get a regular place in the team, then look elsewhere. Where's he going to go with his salary? Who's really going to get him? Bayern, maybe. Madrid, Barca, no. So it'll be interesting. I think he's just sort of testing the waters. The way Pep plays him and plays everyone, he he, he does seem to rotate and he's fallen out of favour a bit which is weird because Sterling was having a blinder last season Um, so something must be up there but I can't see him leaving anytime soon you know they're the the champion well they're the champions Um, they're on course to regain the the title again you know I know Chelsea and Liverpool have something to to say about that his his home his family everything's set up in, in Manchester and in England you know uh, well, we'll see, we'll see, but he could just be throwing his his toys out and just just testing the waters and see what Pep does. But um, he had a back issue, that's why he didn't play. But he'll be back, he'll be back playing and scoring goals. That's for sure. Swiftly moving on, then. Swiftly moving on, we've got this uh, weekend's fixtures, the Sundays, the the big standout one. I'm just conscious of time, but we've got uh, Brentford, uh, Leicester, which should be interesting. West Ham, Spurs, which is their derby, and Man United, Liverpool. Um, I'm interested to see how Leicester carry on from their impressive win against United and their Europa League game to play Brentford uh, away. So Brentford are at home, who've proven to be really good and up for it this season and I've got Vardy in my team last minute change for Lukaku uh, West Ham Spurs always throws up fireworks do you remember that last minute equaliser from West Ham last season that screamer was that from Lenzini I think absolute screamer I don't recall actually oh absolute screamer top mm. bins uh, although you know Spurs playing midweek uh, and West Ham playing midweek. It's the whole Thursday Sunday fixtures now. It'll be interesting to see how these mm. teams cope. And then the big game, uh, Man United Liverpool. Now this could go one or two ways. I feel that United will turn things around completely and pull it out the bag for Solskjaer to keep him in the job for another week or so and get hand Liverpool their first defeat or Liverpool absolutely run riots over United after uh, an impressive Atletico. Well, it was a bit of a funny game midweek against Atletico Madrid, but I think that's put them in good stead to go to war with United. Um, so, yeah, that could be... Uh, that, that, that's going to be, my obviously, that's the main game at 4.30, so I'm looking forward to that, man. Your thoughts? Sure. There's, um, well, I think it's a great day to be an armchair football fan, you know. Uh, at two, you've got the, the London derby, West Ham Spurs. At four, you've got United versus Liverpool probably biggest game of the Premier League weekend. Um, and then you've got the European fixtures. You've got the El Clasico, Barcelona v Real Madrid at three. You've got Inter versus Juventus at, at 7.45. Um, and you've also got Marseille versus PSG at 7.45. And um, if I'm honest, I'm really excited about that Marseille versus PSG game because you've got some of our Arsenal boys on loan there, Guendouzi and Saliba. Uh, and they're going to be coming up against Leo Messi and Mbappe. Ah, it's just going to be like, it's going to be interesting to see how well they've come on 
Um, they played in the week. They played um, against um, an Italian team. I think it's... Uh, I'm forgetting the team's name now. It's the one that Immobile plays for. Is he, is he at Lazio? Wherever it was, wherever the team was, they played uh, in the in the Europa League. So again, with the Thursday Sunday kind of thing going on there, uh, as you mentioned, uh, West Ham and Spurs are going to have to deal with. Um, so I'm quite interested to see how these youngsters will do against the best, the very best in the world. Um, Manu versus Liverpool. Oof. Um, well, let's just say. I think it's more important for Oli to win this game than it is for Klopp. Um, and the way that United have started this season since they've signed Ronaldo and Varane, big, 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 big names. Sancho, you just think you want more from them. You expect more from them now. And it's kind of like the team they've got now is almost like too many, too many cooks you know, because in that midfield, you've got Pogba, you've got Fernandez, you've got Ronaldo going up front, where Fernandez was a guy that used to score loads of goals from midfield. But since Ronaldo's come in, Fernandez's goal return has gone down a bit. You've got Rashford just come back from injury. Sancho wants to play on the wing. Rashford wants to play on the wing. It's I all mean, too much, isn't it? Getting yeah, Ronaldo was a bit of a didn't really work and, and Sancho I said I'd be you know I, I couldn't see Sancho getting 10 goals or even t- I mean people are saying he'll get 10 assists but at the minute he's uh, he's not getting a look in and he's really missing that direction that he got in Dortmund it is problematic and Oli's going to have to fix this and uh, I just think that Liverpool have had a good start to the season although I'm not 100% sure that Virgil van Dijk is back to his best since he's long layoff since his long injury mm. I'm not so sure yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of moments where I thought ooh like I would have normally expected him to, to run through somebody like a steamroller and, and he just kind of hasn't um, and maybe people have been knocking the ball past him and they've been scoring goals so yeah it'll be, it'll be a good I think it's going to be a great game it'll be a good test to see is Van Dijk back to his best if uh, I'm not sure what's going on with um, Maguire because he wasn't available, he was injured, and then he came back uh, in, in the week in the Champions League, and people were saying, you know, he's been rushed back. I he didn't look like he was ready. Yeah, he wasn't ready against Leicester, and it showed as well. He was really he was off the pace against Leicester, and obviously he was at fault. Well, it wasn't at fault, but the sort of one of the goals, Tillemans lob come cross, which I thought was a cross, not a purposely lob and the, and the last goal by Dakar at the end was uh, you know Maguire wasn't on his toes but um, yeah Dakar's been in great form He's, he, he grabbed yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. bag of goals in the, Arsenal in the if Arsenal got him if Arsenal got him they'd have Laka, Xhaka Saka and Dakar <laughs> 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 that would be an ill lineup. but um, yeah Leicester will be interesting to see uh, West Ham Spurs always tasty and Solskjaer sort of fighting for his job uh, there's a lot of pressure coming from everyone around him another manager who's got a lot of pressure uh, Barcelona coach Ronald Koeman said he does not think it's possible to be in, under any more pressure ahead of today's El Clasico now they won their last two games beating Valencia and also winning in the Champions League beating Dynamo Kiev so that's given him a bit more breathing space uh, but he was looked to be sacked uh, by the 
uh, New Camps club president, but he's still been given a bit more time. And, you know, I'm, it's not working. I mean, Kuman, not the best manager. And then obviously showing that he's not really got it when it comes to helping rebuild a Barcelona team that have lost Messi, lost Griezmann. And they're in a massive transition at the minute. I know they've just given these uh, new contracts to some of the young players, which we can talk about, but it's not looking good for Koeman and uh, Real Madrid must be licking their lips, sort of playing, playing this game as well. So interesting to see how El Clasico plays out. Most definitely. I'm actually really excited to see this new generation of Barcelona players coming together. I think at Barca, the, the the real thing for them now is rebuild, 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 rebuild. And with the likes of Pedri, uh, Fati and Gavi, you know, there's three quality players there, good young quality players that can be playing week in, week out and you know, kind of replicating that that Javi and Iniesta kind of combination. And they can do it for Barcelona and they can do it for the national team as well. Yeah. So will the three of them get a start? Will the three of them play against Real Madrid and win the classical? We're gonna see. Real have their own problems. Um some of which we might talk about later. But um we, we're gonna see. I'm I'm not so sure that Real are going to be favourites. I know they're um, they're doing better in the league, but that doesn't, you know, in these kind of games, anything can happen. You know, maybe Real get somebody sent off, and maybe, you know, the the tide kind of turns, or maybe Barcelona players just really get themselves up for this particular game. You know, the Clasico. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure they haven't done so well in recent. I'm going to have a look at the uh, the head-to-head comparisons. And um, you can see that Real Madrid won the last Clasico 2-1. They actually won the last three Clasicos in a row. Um, and then the fourth one was a 0-0 draw. And the fifth one was a 1-0 Barcelona win. So Barca really need to try and turn this tide. Is a huge fixture. Uh, Spanish football fans will know all about it. We're looking at third place Real Madrid versus eighth place Barcelona. Barcelona being the really underperforming struggling team. Um, you know what? I'm going to go for a Barcelona upset. I, I, I think that these young'uns have grown up wanting to turn over Real Madrid and I believe they may be talented enough to, to get the job done. Let's go, mm. Barca. Interesting. Um, one man who is uh, in a spot above us, been ongoing for a number of, of years now uh, and that was sort of the reason why he was dropped from the national team for France, but he's since made his way back uh, in the you know in the form of his life. Karim Benzema, uh, French sex tape blackmail case trial starts. Real Madrid striker Benzema has gone on trial in France, accused of complicit uh, complicity in attempt to blackmail a fellow footballer uh, over a sex tape found in his phone. And um, this should be interesting to sort of see how it unfolds in France over the next few weeks and then how it then affects his his playing because he's you know he's pushing for the Ballon d'Or he's scoring some amazing goals he's his all-round play has, has been phenomenal for Madrid and for France and they've got him Mbappe uh Griezmann all playing together for the national team 
as they look to push on for the World Cup next year. So uh, we, we wait and see what happens. It sort of went quiet for a while with this case and he just went about his business. But uh, Benzema saying, you know, everything is uh, false and these are wild accusations and I'm innocent. So, uh, yeah, be interesting to see what what happens, whether they sort of do some out-of-court settlement or whether he's found innocent or guilty. Well, I think sometimes people can be tried and convicted in the court of public opinion. However, innocent till proven guilty, man. Innocent till proven guilty. And this Benzema guy, as we know, is one of the best strikers in the world. Fantastic to watch, you know, watching him for France, watching him for Real Madrid. He's absolutely incredible. In the Nations League, he scored the most incredible goal Mm. where he just kind of whipped it around the keeper from the edge of the box. And it was just, it was stunning. Like, he's such a talented player. I don't want him to have... This, this kind of bad press against him he says that you know uh, it's a masquerade he didn't even turn up at the court he's ridiculing the charges and at the moment I'm going with innocent until proven guilty mm, bang your door bang your door for Benzema I, I, if I if I have to admit some bias, I don't want him to be guilty. But what we know is when people are on top, like he's one of the biggest players in the world, we know that when people are on top um, then there are some some bad-minded people who will come out and try to to bring them down, try to maybe manipulate situations or try to use them to for for their own financial gain, which which it might be in this case. I I mean I don't know I don't know, so I'm just gonna kind of stay. I want to be impartial, but at the same time, I don't want him to be guilty. So, but we'll see. Mm. Um, talking of innocent till proven guilty last few stories innocent act Lazio's Luis Felipe sorry for jump on Inter's Corella after win the Lazio defender Felipe has apologised after jumping on the back of an Inter Milan player a former teammate as he celebrated a 3-1 win in Rome now I don't know if you've seen this but the picture of he looks like he's sort of he's jumping all the over the story him. cracks me up it's literally like banter between two mates isn't it like two former teammates one guy leaves the club and signs for another team and then you know at the end of the game because the guy who left and joined another team because his team lost you know his teammate on on the, the original team has that wins wants to go and celebrate and kind of taunt him a little bit and kind of jumps on his almost like a piggyback kind of thing going on there he's jumped him and, and made him give him a piggyback and he's probably saying all kinds of crazy stuff um and when you see the pictures of it to me it just makes me laugh i think it's hilarious but you know he felipe's come out he's apologized he's done a professional thing he said you know I, I didn't mean to disrespect my teammate i have a my former teammate i have a lot of love and respect for him blah 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 you know I, I, yeah I, I just thought it was hilarious that's the kind of thing where if they did it in the tunnel you know, it would be just between them, wouldn't it? And it would just be a good laugh between two mates. Yeah, the fact he jumped at him was like reminiscent of um, Martin Keown jumping on Van Nistelrooy. You know, when he jumped up in the end, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> and that was a bit different. I think that was like Keown fully losing his head in the heat of the moment. And like, they, they were never mates. Like, Keown and, and Van Nistelrooy were fierce rivals. And so that was a totally different thing. This is like literally two mates. And he, and, and he could have just been ribbing him, just teasing him, giving him a bit of banter after the game. Could have been like messaging him in the group chat and stuff like that. But he actually just did it on the pitch for all to see. So it looks bad. But yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, yeah, you, you like a bit of banter, but um, yeah, especially as he used to be uh, used to be at the club. It's always funny when you see an ex-player return and they don't score uh, to pay respect to the crowd, or they do the opposite and they go running and then like Adebayor to Arsenal. Or Josh King didn't want to celebrate on the weekend, but then he uh, then he knew what to do when he got the hat trick. He was going mad. So always always fun to see. Always fun to see. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think it wraps up for me. News stories. Do you want to add anything before we go? Uh, um, I mentioned to Bellingham's goal. Jude Bellingham's goal. Most definitely. That, that goal was absolutely fantastic. Um, and he's a player that. I am so excited about because he appears to have a very good all-rounded game. And, um, yo, I, I just think for the England team to have a player of that quality playing abroad and, you know, learning from the, the good coaches they have. over, Like in Dortmund, they're famed for bringing through good quality players. Like that, that they've been doing it over and over and over again. Aubameyang was at Dortmund. Um, there's so many players that were at Dortmund and uh, end up just getting moved on and going on to bigger and better things. And it seems like this is that stage for Jude Bellingham right now where he's kind of learning his trade, he's making his name. And I think he's in a fantastic place to do it. And he's going to bring his continental flair to the national team mm. and help us in the World Cup. I'm sure. But honestly, I think he should be in the, in England's first eleven. I think he should be in there. And when you, when you guys see the goal that he scored it was against I think it was Armenia Byfield or something like that in the Bundesliga so just not the best so, opposition but just lovely feet we saw uh, Mo Salah do something like that recently and people couldn't stop talking about it so uh, you know uh, man just the, the guy has so much potential it's, it's exciting he's an exciting talent yeah good stuff good stuff right uh, any last stories before we bounce um, shout out to Inter Miami putting together a nice win in the MLS. Um, Phil Neville does seem to be getting some results now. I think it's two back-to-back wins, and uh, and it's the uh, the Higuain brothers. You know, then they scored five goals, man. I mean, damn, like go on, go on, go on. Shout out to Inter Miami. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, was it Phil Neville? Wasn't Phil doing Neville too well, coach, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not forever. Maybe, maybe they lost one something like six on the bounce, and now they've got a couple of back-to-back wins because he started the two Higuain brothers together. So maybe if now that he knows that that this is the way forward, you got to play the two Higuains. Maybe the the results are going to improve. They've got about three games left to get into the playoffs. So mm. if they win their next three games, they should be all right. Watch this space. Watch this space. Okay. I know Cal's rooting for them uh, as we all are in Miami. Right. This has been the Play On Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. As we reviewed the weekend's results, we looked at the big Sunday games and we touched on some news in Europe, mainly the big El Clasico story. Uh, as always, make sure you subscribe, leave a comment on whatever. Uh, hit us up on social media at Podcast Play On at Beer at Bants. And we look forward to speaking to you in the future. Have a good week. Goodbye. Peace.